0: You're listening to the Down the Pull Podcast, Canada's premier football show. Head to downthepulp.ca to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Hello and welcome to this latest episode of the Down the Pulp Podcast. Um, I'm your host, Anthony Abbott. Um, on this week's show, we have the amazing Aiden Daniels. Um, a great interview. Um, he's a great man with a, a great head and shoulders so I'm um, really excited for you to, to listen to it and we will get into that soon enough. Um I just wanted to talk a little bit just before we did that. Um Canada had an amazing performance against El Salvador in Toronto they won uh, 3-0 and um they're looking good for qualification for the World Cup. The the only thing I wanted to talk about was um the kind of negativity that's kind of around the team too like just uh, on the voyagers uh, facebook page people had posted on there about that's not cool for people to wear uh non-canadian men's national team jerseys and i just thought that like you know we, we need to kind of get out of this mindset of being like snobbish um when it comes to football in this country because it's never going to grow if we look down our nose at how other people support the sport um we need the we need new people to to watch the game we need as many people as possible to watch the game because it generates more money which creates more opportunities for uh, the kids coming through and it just makes the game a better experience for everybody that when stadiums are full and people are having a good time so i i really don't think that we should be like looking at looking down our nose and being dicks basically about people uh, and what their attire is going to a game if you want to wear a hockey jersey or if you want to wear a tsc jersey to a canadian uh, national team game fill your boots who gives a shit? just just go ahead and wear what you want um if it's if it's red just just wear it um because uh, uh, other people were complaining that there was more uh, el salvador fans there and there was a sea of blue all that kind of good stuff. And it's like, you know, Canada has Canada has um, a ways to go to catch up to countries like El Salvador. Like it, It's it's predominantly a hockey country. So you can't just expect everything to just turn on a dime and for everything to be rosy and uh, amazing. It takes time to build uh, momentum. It takes time to build leagues. It takes time to build uh, national teams. And I think we're really heading in the right direction. And I don't think that we should try and railroad that by being basically snobs about the whole thing. Like, you know, at the end of the day, the fact that people are willing to pay money to go and watch the team in the first place should be enough. And if you want to wear a Metallica t-shirt or you want to wear a Megadeth t-shirt, Slayer t-shirt, you want to wear an ABBA t-shirt, who gives a shit? Just go to the game, enjoy the atmosphere, have fun, and we're going to get there. It's just, let's all be part of the journey together instead of trying to create divisions over ridiculous things. That's my two cents to it all. Um, it was a fantastic performance by, by Canada. It was very professional. Tejon Buchanan looks like he's going to be the next big thing. And, yeah, it's, it's a good time to be a fan a follower of Canadian football. And I certainly tried to get off my high horse with an awful lot of stuff because you know like growing grown up in europe we, we we do tend to look down our noses at, at the way the north americans uh follow football and i think that we need to stop doing that because it's the world's game and people cheer on and people follow sports differently and i think it's that's part of the fun of it all and yeah just wear what you want have fun and let's enjoy the ride because this team is gonna go far that's my two cents so uh sorry for the interruption and (laughs) on with the show So um, welcome to this episode of the Down the Pole podcast. On this episode, I'm joined by OKC energy player and Canadian under-23 international, Aiden Daniels. Welcome to the show, bud.
1: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man.
0: Yeah, I'm really I'm really psyched. Uh, it's, I had Charlie on and uh, he, he talked really highly of you, so I thought I'd uh, give you a shout and trying to get you on too. So we usually kind of uh, warm people up with just a few easy kind of questions, so who was your favorite team growing up and why? Uh, growing up, uh,
1: Barcelona. I mean, they went through that, that time frame where they were just unbeatable. And my favorite player of all time was Andres Iniesta. So him being on that team was just, it just went hand in hand. And two, my dad's a Real Madrid fan. so.
0: A to... <laughs> little bit of a healthy competition never hurt yeah. anybody, right? Uh, what's your favorite cheat meal? Cheat meal.
1: Uh, I'd have to say uh, this Jamaican dish called oxtail, uh, rice and peas, fried plantain, fried dumplings, all that.
0: Love it. Love it. Love it. Um. So Charlie Ward is your, uh, your roommate. What's his best and worst habits? Uh,
1: To be honest, he, he's not very, he doesn't have any bad habits that I've, that I picked up on. Maybe uh, like kind of just like fidgeting with his nails a bit, but That's something, like, you know, I I do as well. So um, his best habit is being a great professional, man. He's a great role model for me. Um, Two years ago, we met in Ottawa, and since then, we've become very close, and he's been a good role model for me.
0: I love it. I love it. So basically, he just, like, spits his nails all over your house. So that's all right. (laughs) You know, it's fine. Uh, So you've kind of been a little bit of a... you know, you've been in Colorado, Toronto, Ottawa, as you mentioned. So you're you're in OKC this season. So how are you finding life in Oklahoma?
1: It's not bad. I mean, last year, you know, I didn't really get to live with the whole COVID experience, and you know, it took away from a lot of things. Uh, but you know, being here in OKC, I've been welcomed into the group by a lot of the guys that have returned, and uh, I've enjoyed my time here so far. I mean, the city's nothing like Toronto, but I think it's good for me to get a change. Um, and see a smaller city you know it's it's a tight-knit community here which is nice
0: so is it kind of like just a slower pace and a little bit more laid back
1: very 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 much slower pace uh like you go downtown on a on a weekend it's like you see very little cars something like that like in in opposed to toronto where you know you're going there on a wednesday night and it's traffic like
0: so it's nice it's like i haven't dealt with
1: traffic once since i've been here so it's
0: nice. amazing i'm I'm in halifax so i i i know where you're coming from it's uh it's so much nicer just on a friday night just like being kind of calm and no crazy people around so um so the team itself uh it's had a bit of a had a bit of a rough start to the season i think you spent like seven seven or eight games without actually getting your first win um but now you've kind of powered up the table you kind of turned it around so what do you think has has changed with the team to kind of turn the fortunes around like that I think
1: just having so many new guys in a team, it's hard to gel right away. Um, and then opposed to last season where you only had 16 games, this season we had a bit more time to gel and and be cohesive. So I think I think that uh, you know having a bit more time and you know just learning learning about each other tendencies and you know uh, when Lee took over uh, after uh, John Pasarella, uh, you know I think he had a good understanding of what the players. Uh, wanted and and how we played so I think a lot of credit goes to him but you know as players we we stepped up because we were tired of losing and as much as winning is a habit so is losing and you know you just have to break that cycle and I think we've done well since you know since that time.
0: Yeah I mean like when I was talking to Charlie like like we were talking and like you weren't losing games like by five or six nil. It was like, you know, just the odd goal in here. So it looked like you were on the right path. It just needed that little kind of tweak. So like when when John left and, and Lee took over, like what were some of the changes he did to the group to kind of make his push on to that next level?
1: Uh I think I think our biggest one was a, a formation change. We had we had been playing a four 3 three or four four two the first like eight or nine games and then once elite took over and we had some new acquisitions and and you know guys were training well we switched to a 352 um, 2 so it gave us a bit a bit of a different look and we we become more solid defensively and i think that's like one of the forefronts of why we've been able to pick up results uh, on the road uh, you know and just yeah like we're seeing out games now and we're in as the beginning of the year you know like guys would switch off for one second and and we'd lose you know, in the last 10 minutes of the game or, you know, but I think the formation change has been huge. Um, and I think guys have just really like, you know, got over losing, like we're just tired of it. And, you know, no one wants to lose. I hate losing. I know, I know a lot of the guys on the team hate losing. So, you know, it was just one of them where we had to just flip a switch and, and, you know, it didn't matter who was coach. I think we were just tired of it.
0: Yeah, I can see that. Like, it's uh, as you said. Like, losing can become a habit, and it, it definitely sucks when it's just happening week in, week out. So, like for yourself, then, where, what did, how did your role change within the team? Then, like, uh, position wise, and what you're being asked to do.
1: Um. So yeah, like at the start of the season, I started as a as an attacking mid as the ten, um, and then I I got put out to the left 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 wing, uh, which I was comfortable with, and then. Yeah, now I'm back in back in the mix in the middle, um, which I'm more than comfortable with. But uh, I think I think as a team, we've we all understand our roles and responsibilities. So I think I think, yeah, I mean, I haven't really changed my role. Like I know my place in the team. I know what my teammates want and, and expect of me. So it's just holding myself accountable in moments in the game and in training and then just holding myself to that standard as well.
0: So, like, you're is there, is there in the, the playoff position right now, which is incredible considering the um the, the, se- the season started you had. And I think you just drew against Louisville in your last game, which was, you know, they're kind of running away with your division. So w- what do you think you need to do to make sure you're in that playoff spot from the end of the season?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's just turning, turning our draws into wins. Um, you know, last game we, we drew Louisville 1-1 and it was kind of, Uh, a passage of play where you know the ref didn't call a foul for us and then they countered we made a silly foul and then you know it's just just managing moments like that where you know something's not going our way um and managing the game because uh you know that instead of one point we could have had three you know what I mean and I think it's turning those draws that we've had into results uh like a a win you know
0: but when you're coming along like uh stretches like that like I mean it's it's those little moments like that's why I think football is just a lot of like little moments and it's just kind of countering those little moments to make sure that they don't happen, I guess. Right. So has the, has the kind of senior players that within the group kind of stepped up as well, like to kind of make sure that these are kind of focusing a lot more on what your, your, your job is and what you need to be doing.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, I think Mitch and Connor are two, two center backs. They, they've really taken a leadership role. I mean, Connor's our captain, but you know, Mitch, Mitch has stepped up, uh, you know, Charlie stepped up. It's just like, even today in film, we were just talking about the, f- the fine details of of matches and, you know, just, just little things like that are going to count, especially now coming into this time time frame of the season that we really need to focus on. And, and you know, just, as I said, manage the game and, and focus on the little things because we're all fit now. We're all, we all know each other. It's just focusing on the little things that are going to get us over that line.
0: So what's what, – like uh, I was kind of talking to Charlie before, but – like when I was talking to him, I think fans had just started coming back and stuff like that. So I don't think he really had a, a full view of what it was like. The city itself as a kind of a, a football town. So like, what's the what are the fan what's the fan base like? Like, what's the match day experience like for you guys? And like, do people know you on the street when they see you?
1: Um, I feel like a lot of cities in the USL, uh, you know, it's still growing league. I mean, it's not it's not a prestige league yet, but. It's growing. And I mean, the match day experience here for me has been good. Uh, I think we get a decent amount of fans and and the returning fans every week are, are you know, out, out every weekend, uh, every time we're home, you know, banging their drums with the flares and all that. So it's really nice to see. And then, you know, there's so many like uh, youth, youth uh, teams and kids that come. And it's just nice to see because, you know, like I didn't get that growing up to see pro team uh, until, you know, I was – Till 2007 which was TFC and you know at that point I was already like playing on weekends and stuff and I was you know I was busy I couldn't even go to those games yet so you know the match day experiences here are, are nice you know uh, home games are always nice you get to see the fans you know you get to chill out at home before you go grab a coffee um, but yeah I've been recognized a couple times but nothing crazy.
0: No, no, like so, signing an arm. So they tattoo your signature and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> nah, like that. So, that. So, so, so growing up in Toronto, like, a, you know, like Canada is a hockey mad uh, country, uh, as you know. So where did the, um, where did the love of football come from? Like, is it your dad or is it just, you just picked it up yourself? Uh, yeah, it was my dad. So
1: my, uh, I come from a family of footballers. So my grandfather actually played for sporting back in the day. Um, wow during the apartheid. So it was like, it was like a crazy time cause I'm half South African. Um, so my grandfather was playing for, for sporting uh, during the apartheid. But unfortunately he had to come home back to South Africa just due to like family circumstances with the secret police and all this stuff. Um, and then he, him and my, my grandma and my uncle and my father, they actually uh, fled to England and then my grandfather got offered a contract by Tottenham and Ipswich. Wow. And he declined both and said, you know, I'm going to take my family to Canada and, you know, have a better life. Um, so, yeah, like it came from, from them. My dad played. Uh, unfortunately, he tore his Achilles on his pro trial. Oh, wow. He was done after that. But, yeah, you know, my dad, my, dad, my mom was into sports as well, but not, not into football. Um, I think they put me in football at like age three. And I ever since then I've just loved the game. So, yeah, I would say it's more from my dad's side.
0: I love it. Um, it says a lot about Tottenham and Ipswich that a better life was moving to Canada, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you grew up in the TFC academy. Uh, what, what was what's the what's the academy like? But what, um, what's the setup like? And um, did I, how did it help you develop as a player?
1: Uh, honestly, I, my time at TFC was was amazing. Like. When I joined, I was I think thirteen, and I stayed there till I was twenty. So, wow, those years were were amazing. You know, like the academy set up. I mean, at that time they were just introducing like the ninety eight age group, uh, ninety nine age group, and then the two thousand age group. And it was before it was only ninety seven and ninety six, I believe. And now they're down to like under eights. Wow. So yeah, uh, the academy has grown immensely and you know the setup there is just it's world-class honestly like I've seen some some facilities uh, I've been to Denmark for a training stand I've seen theirs like and TFC by far to me has been well it was home it was a second home to me so obviously I'm gonna love the place but you know it's just it was one of the first like uh, training facilities in in all of MLS where it was like your own pitches, your, your, your chefs, you know, your own first team locker room, like stuff like that. So growing up in that was, was amazing. I got to see the first team guys train, uh, use an excellent gym whenever I wanted. The trainers were all attending to our needs, the chefs, the, we even had a, um, a education advisor. So once you got to grade, uh, I want to say grade eight, like you could go and uh, go do your homework before training and she'd be there to help you. Wow. They, they really spoiled us, man. And it wasn't a shock for me to go to Ottawa, but like not not the standard had dropped, but it was just like, holy, like I've been spoiled. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's, that's, so, I mean, like, I don't think people, like even in Canada realize like how, like I didn't know that TFC's academy was was that, that good. Like, so like in terms of like, Teaching you the basics of football and um, like your your craft. W- what was the training sessions like? What was the the coaches like? Like was it what, was it like one of those kind of things where you're almost like crying by the end of the week? Or training so hard? Or is it like you just you're just le- like learning so much that like you're just loving every minute of it? Uh,
1: I think I think what made TFC Academy for me the most enjoyable is that everyone wanted to be there and like continue to grow as players. And, you know, as you, as you move up in the age groups, you see a new guys come in, but the majority of the group is the same guys you've been training with for years already. So, you know, you build that, that friendship and brotherhood. And it's just like, you want to see everyone succeed. So you just keep pushing, pushing every day. And, you know, when, you know, for me, the first guy that made the first team that were in my shoes was Liam Frazier. And I was like, man, like, he's one of my closest friends. And I was like, so happy for him. And, and I think. Uh, the coaches instill that type of culture. It's like a family there. So, you know, even on the hardest days of we were just sprinting and, and doing fitness, like guys were picking each other up off the ground at like 14 years old. Like, you know, you, you wouldn't even think of doing that in a high school, you know. So when we when we uh, were training, you know, we were all so cohesive and we just wanted everyone to to do well. So I think the coaches there, you know, Shout out to, like, Michael Stefano, who helped me grow. He was my first coach there. Rick Titus, when he was there. Uh, Anthony Capitoso, he was there. Um, just so many great coaches in the academy. And and the thing was is they were all great, great humans. So even off, when you were, like, on the pitch with them and they were screaming at you because you were having a bad game or you had a loose touch, whatever, whatever, like, off the field, they were, like, almost like your father. They were just such a, a great role model, and they, like, held themselves to a standard which made us want to hold ourselves to a different standard as well
0: that's amazing because like you know um you hear so many stories about like t- the, the clubs in england where they almost like step over each other because it's uh, it's so cutthroat. like they all want to get ahead and like I, I think there was a podcast last year when one guy was talking about taking out one of his fellow pros in a training session so he could make the team that weekend like and hearing what TFC were doing, it just seems like the complete polar opposite. So, do you still follow a lot of the players that you played with at TFC and see where their careers are now?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, definitely in my age group, um, I have a lot of a lot of friends because uh, I played against them. I was with them at provincials, um, and a lot of us went through TFC like almost till you know thirteen and twenty. Um, so yeah, I follow a lot of guys. I'm still in contact with a lot of them. You know. At the end of the day, as I said, you know, we built that culture of being brothers in the locker room, off the field, on the field, you know, I still, you know, want the best for everyone.
0: There's like, a, obviously, like the 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 CPL has started and a lot of TFC guys have um, had a chance to keep their careers going, uh, like in the CPL or they're going on loan like uh, Rocco Romeo and stuff like that. So have you been kind of keeping your eye on the CPL? Like have you been watching any of it?
1: Uh, yeah, I've been watching uh since the first the first year. Um, one of my one of my good friends, Tristan Borges, was you know he's been the man, <laughs> the man in CPL. You know, so I watch him. You know, now I got some guys in Ottawa that I played with, Telfer, uh, Chris Manella. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I indulge here and there and watch the game. And just just now the standard from now to like from two years ago, it's grown so much
0: yeah it's crazy like i mean like Tristan like got, got the big move he was like the big success story and now he's back at forge but like you can see how the game has moved on and like how much he was standing out from two years ago he's kind yeah. of just slightly above of like, the players that are there right now so you know if would it be something that you'd like if you were given the opportunity that you'd want to maybe like do or are you happy like kind in the states
1: um i'm never gonna say no to an opportunity. Uh, I think in this business you can't say no because if you say no and <laughs> you have this opportunity and then that opportunity is done you know what I mean you've burnt a bridge so I'm never gonna say no and obviously yeah I would love to come home and finish my career um, but you never know I can't say no uh, I mean the league is growing so that's obviously a positive and yeah I mean I know some of the coaches and I've, I've been coached by them in the past so
0: yeah, I wouldn't say no. So, like, obviously, like, you, you played in Ottawa. You're, you went on loan from uh, TFC, and you, that's where you played with Charlie and Chris and stuff like that. Like, so when I was talking to Charlie, like, he, he just talked about how much he loved that season um, in, in Ottawa and how close you guys were to um, actually achieving a lot. So uh, how was your time in Ottawa? Did you enjoy the city? Did you enjoy the, the football? And, like, it's... It's a football town. Like There is quite a good supporters group there, too. So did you enjoy the fans and stuff like that, too?
1: Yeah. So um, personally, for me, I didn't have a great year football wise. Um, I didn't play much and then I got hurt for like five and a half months. Um, but off the pitch, I think that was like one of the like, I would say the last four months of that season. It was probably like the best time of my life uh, so far. Uh, just being with the guys, you know, you know, grab dinner, just just hang out, play FIFA, and it was just a it was just a good time. A good city, uh, really slow pace compared to Toronto, which was which was nice, but it, you still got that feel of a big city. Um, but football-wise, you know, uh, on me, I could have maybe done better. Um, I could have pushed myself a bit more, but you know, when I got hurt, it was just kind of like, ah, oh, this is just bad thing after bad thing and then you know I kind of I kind of went into a little bit of a dark place I was away from home for the first time I was 19 I didn't really know anyone besides you know a couple of the guys um and it was tough but you know guys like Charlie uh, another guy named Dakota I had a, a lot of guys on the team that were just trying to lift me up and at the end of the day like they really helped me out of that place and you know I just started training and playing for me and, yeah, like I, I, I got the move to Colorado and, you know, I, I've been enjoying football again ever since. But as you said, the fans there was – they were great. Um, they really they really came out in numbers. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I know the other guys did there. But uh, to hear that they got like 12,000 on the first game back for Athletico Auto was like crazy. I was like, damn.
0: Yeah, they, they actually played against Halifax. And, uh, like, being being honest, like they've been kind of – they're the newest franchise, and um, they've kind of been struggling a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: but the, the the crowd just pushed them forward in that game. It was it was like, obviously, I'm a, from Halifax. I want the Wanderers to win, but it was kind of one where I was like, kind of happy that Ottawa won. It was kind of a nice a nice wait for them to kick it off at home and stuff like that. And you know, the, the, the first game they got twelve thousand, but they've been kind of getting four five thousand like per, per game, which is like I think is huge for for a league like this, especially like when you're competing against like hockey and TFC and stuff like that. So I think they've done a fantastic job in getting somebody like Atletico in um, is a great coup for the league too. I can't believe that Atletico Ottawa would be interested in Canada.
1: (laughs) It was just a shame how Ottawa uh, Fury folded. Like, you know, I knew, I knew so many guys wanted to come back and resign just, just based off the year that we had. And, you know, like Julian was, the Guzman was, you know, bought, bought into the, the team and you know we were all like super excited and then you know myself I, I was I was getting released from TFC so I was like oh it was a perfect you know fit I can work my way up again and it's a good standard I'm not too far from home and then when it folded we we're all like oh my god like it was kind of heartbreaking
0: yeah I, I mean like when I was talking to Charlie there like it, it, it was kind of it seemed like it was a surprise to you as much as everybody else but like I, I remember at the time and did, I think this is the problem where the way that the leagues are structured is that, um, like politics, just came into it, and like Canada, Canada soccer pulled rank, and I don't think anybody really cared or looked at how much of an effect it was going to have on you guys. Because I mean, at the end of the day, you're all young guys who need to pay your bills, right? And then suddenly, like a, a team folding on the back of, I think there was definitely a better way yeah. for them to do it. And I think had they just kind of, I think the Fury were a better franchise myself to keep in Canada rather than atletico coming in because i i don't know i just think it's a bit weird like atletico ottawa just make any sense (laughs) you know what i mean but it is what it is right and like they've been
1: like atletico ottawa came out of nowhere we were like oh you know fury just folded and then we were like oh atletico ottawa is it the same owner we were like so confused
0: yeah and and as i said i mean it it was just a shame because you guys had obviously built up like such a great team and a bond that like, you know, you were kind of just ready to take off. So, so as you said, you're in a kind of dark, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you're in a kind of dark place. But well, Was that because like, obviously you've been at TFC for most of your, your life playing football. And then did you feel that you were coming to the end of your time there? And was it just like a little bit um, like wondering what the next chapter is going to be kind of thing or.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I- I think it was that. And I like for me, um, I know my ability and I know what I can do. Um, it was just, you know, it was just bad timing. Like I had got hurt right at the end of preseason. So I was late going on loan to Ottawa. They had already played two games. And then I was coming off the bench, off the bench, off the bench. And then as soon as I was about to start a game, I got the nod, I got hurt. And then it was just like, as I said it was bad thing after bad thing after bad thing and then you know uh my grandma had passed away in that summer I was away from home I was injured uh you know and it was just it was just really tough like you know the only the only positives where the team was doing well and you know that's that that was it like
0: i I honestly don't think that people realize how how hard it is for like a 19 year old to be away from home for the first time and just in a strange city and it, you're like you're just living in digs with a bunch of other guys and it's 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 a very lonely existence especially when you're injured like so like i mean it's it's great that you were able to kind of get through it and like a lot of guys would have just gave up you know what i mean um so like what, what at the end of tfc like what was that conversation like when they said like you know um we're going to not re-sign your contract like is it is it obviously I haven't been there so is it like is it kind of like Does it cutthroat you know it's like you're out the door or is it like they sit you down and they kind of give you your options like what, what's the conversation like
1: so yeah like I was coming off injury so they were like yeah we're not going to re-sign you to the first team but you know since you're healthy now we'd love for you to come to preseason and maybe earn your spot back maybe earn a first team contract or you can re or you can sign for TFC two, which is going to be in USL league one. And right away, I said, no, I'm not going to drop from USL championship another and go down another league because I, I know what I can do. You guys have signed me to a first team contract. You obviously know what I can do. So what's the point of, you know, going back down. And they were like, no, we understand. We completely agree. It was just an option for you. You know, we, you, we love you as a, as a person. So we want you in the club. And I said, I appreciate all that but you know I think it's time for me to move on and uh, I've been here seven years um you know you guys have you guys have helped me grow into a man into the player I am but I think it's time for me to just move on because you know I, at some point in in my career I wasn't just gonna like you know sit there and just go on loan here go on loan there you know sit on the bench and I was just I was just um taking my career for the longevity like so I made the decision to, to go to Colorado. Um, that opportunity uh, came up um, with Alan Koch and I played against him for years with TFC two And then, you know, when he, when he called me, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm, you know, cause he's been so successful in the, in the league and yeah, I was just you know excited to get a fresh opportunity to prove myself and, and, you know, go back to where I was before I got hurt and, you know, back
0: to playing how i can yeah I, I love that you had that confidence to uh you know kind of like not stand up for yourself but have the the guts to say you know i know where i'm at because a lot of people would have just taken the contract because it's an easy route right yeah so yeah that, that's it's really impressive so you, I, I didn't realize that you played with, with, with alan in in colorado because he's obviously the manager of uh, fc edmonton right now so like it, it, he's slowly but surely turning things around in edmonton yeah. they kind of had ups and downs, but what's he, what's he like as a coach? Because he seems like he's a – like, when you hear him talk in press conferences and stuff like that, like, he, he's, he knows a lot about the game. Like, he's kind of clued in. What was he like as a coach on a day-to-day?
1: Uh, he, was, he was great with me. I mean, I I have nothing but good things to say about him. I'm still in contact with him, and, and we still talk here and there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he pushed me to a, a different level last year. Um, he He knows what I can do. And he, he's seen it. So, you know, he really pushed me. And, and along with the assistants there, uh, Kyle Tim and Chase Robertson, they're, they're no longer with the club as well. But um, they all three of them were, like, really, really uh, – they had my back. And even if I, you know, wasn't performing, uh, I had one game where they took me off at half uh, last season because I was just – I don't know where I was. I was, like, my head was gone. I was playing terrible. Um, and the next game I started again. And you know, it was just having that belief in me, which which really gave me confidence to, you know, express myself and, and play. So nothing but good things to say about Alan. Um great guy, great great person to have as a coach. And and yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean like like Edmonton's definitely a franchise that needs to to, to work in Canada because you know, the the Canadian men's team is gonna be playing a couple of games in Edmonton and I think they need to have a strong team and I think there's no better man to uh push that franchise forward in himself so you know like you kind of just spent one season in Colorado so like was it just like a a mutual thing at the end of the season like how was your did you enjoy your time there more importantly like how did you find yourself
1: I definitely enjoyed my time there I think I think my football came out again and you know I finally found like my joy of football again after you know being injured and not playing in Ottawa found my joy again which was which was really huge for me um But I I had re-signed for this season, Um, but a new coach came in and, you know, he like just switched things around and, you know, I was told one thing and something else happened. So at the end of the day, uh, you know, I I, I was willing to work and work for an opportunity on this new coach because either way, it would have been a fresh start, even if I went to another team. Um, But John had reached out to my agent and myself and said, look, you know, we know Aiden. We like Aiden. We want to bring Aiden in. So let's let's make it happen. And uh, I I approached the coach. I said, Hey, look, like I'm willing to stay here and work, but you know, there's another team that are willing to you know you know give me minutes and and they know what I can do already. And he he was he was really nice about it. He said, Look, you know, I don't want to hold you back because you're a great player, but you just won't fit in the system that we're trying to play here. And I said, No problem uh and that was
0: that wow oh, it's, it's like it's just such a ground-up way of like you know it's like uh, people just having like proper conversations with each other and just you know uh just being adult about it um how much of a pull was it to, to play with charlie again though like was he was that like part of the oh, reason God. too? this
1: guy was like oh bro come here <laughs> <laughs> um, the whole time we were trying to finalize the deal like i was telling charlie right away like I was like, yo, bro, I'm signing this day. And he already knew before the whole like story came out. So, yeah, he, he definitely was a big pull for me to come here because uh, at that time I was talking to a couple other clubs, but, you know, I knew OKC was a, a big, big club in the USL. They put money into the team. Um, you know, the standards high, good facility, good housing. And then, you know, my best mate's here. So I was like, yeah, it just made, it just made sense.
0: Love it. So I mean like, you know what as he when he was at the other way, he was known as the pass master. But like what's a what's it like playing alongside somebody like Charlie that has like his passing accuracy is like every game is usually over like eighty five percent, ninety percent. Um like when you go to make that run, like do you know he's gonna play the ball? Like do you guys have that intuition?
1: Yeah, I feel like me and Charlie, um, like we're more of the combo type guys, so I'll come short and we'll connect the, you know, three, four passes and then I'll always look for him. If my back is to goal, he's the first guy I look for. And then I'm sure when he turns from the center backs, I'm the first guy he looks for. So I think, yeah, we have a good relationship. And, you know, he helps me every day. I, I try and help him, like, you know, maybe, like, take your touch this way instead of that way. And, you know, we're pretty hard on each other. And I think that's that's why we have such a good friendship off the field It's because we, we push each other every day. Um, but, yeah, like, as you said, I think he's the best passer in the league. And he's not your typical six now that's, you know, just in there to, to crunch guys and pass to the, the creative players. Like he can create just by his passing. So I think um, he's a, honestly, for me, he's a rarity in this league now with, with the typical six. Um, so it's, yeah, for me as a, as a, an attacking midfielder, for him to like have him passing me the ball in, in pockets or in behind, it's, it's like, it's just a dream, honest
0: um just speaking of like uh like you were kind of mentioning that like you know this season you're, you've really like you're playing a lot better and stuff like that like last last month i think it was against memphis you scored like probably one of the contenders for goal of the season um can you can you talk us through it because you know very rarely people are going to get a chance in their life to score a goal like that so from your point of view what was it like uh um i don't know man like I, for some reason I only score goals like
1: that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you poor bastard. <laughs> That's what's happened in my life in my career yet. Um, but yeah, you know, I hit a corner and then it, it came out to to me on the second or third ball, and then I played Charlie. I wanted him to shoot, and then you know the defender came across to, to block his shot, and I was still wide open at the corner of the eighteen. So I I called for it back and. I just took my touch and my mind was set already. Like I just, you know, and I just hit it nice and it and it just went in. I was just like, ah, oh, finally. <laughs> Cause like the past like three, four games before that, I was like hitting shots from all over. Keeper were making crazy saves and it was just like finally a nice weight to get off my shoulders and you know.
0: Yeah. So so as soon as you hit it, did you know it was
1: in? Uh as soon as I hit it, I knew I knew it would have troubled the keeper. But the guy who like tried to block my, my shot like kinda got in my way and I only saw it like at the last second go into the net.
0: Oh I'll put it um on the on on the Instagram page I'll put a clip of it. It's it's a peach. And you scored another goal night that, that which wasn't a, a simple tap in either in that game, but the that one definitely stood out. So um that you, you were part of Canada's uh, Olympic qualifying squad this this year, um, and we came really close. Like we, we, we. Uh, I think we played incredibly well. So like, you like that. These are the next proper players that are going to come through for Canada. Like so, like how good are these players that are coming through, and how bright is the future for Canadian football? I
1: think it's. I think from even when I was in the U fifteen, like you know, just the players that we have now. Um, I think I was the only one that wasn't in Europe or MLS at the camp so which is which is crazy to me because at U20 qualifiers there were some guys without even without even a club you know so I think now they're they're getting players in good environments and they're getting their selections right because now now look at the men's team you know like they're dominant in in CONCACAF like they're a dominant force so I think now, now that, um, you know, some of the guys have been exposed to the senior men's national team, like you had a guy like Tejan who had been to just a January camp and now he's emerging as, you know, one of the best players on the, on the national, on the men's team. Um, yeah, so it's just like, you know, you guys got, got guys like uh, Zach uh, Broguillard from Montreal as a fullback, um, Patrick Metcalf, Baldissimo, um, even Balusto, you know, he's still around. So there's, there's just so much talent um, that can come through. It's just waiting to get those opportunities and and taking them like Tejan did.
0: Yeah. I mean, like it, 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 the great thing is, is that um, so many of them are coming through the academies like Vancouver, Montreal, Toronto. Like it's great to see that the investment the MLS teams are putting in is, is definitely coming through um, into the, into the senior team. But like speak to Tejan, like, like what a year the guys had, you know, it's like he kind of, he, he was doing okay for New England. And now he's like the star of the national team. He's got his big move to Europe. I, I mean, like, what's he like as a person? Is he kind of humble? And like, did, did you, can you see when you were training with him that he's got like, he's special?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh he's a humble, he's a humble kid. Um I mean, he's, I think he's only a year younger than me. But he carries himself like a, a grown man, and and you know he's he's done well for himself, man. Like to come from the prep school to Syracuse, and then just straight away like MLS minutes, and for him his like stock has just gone up. And yeah, like in training, he's he's class. He's a, he's a good person, and he's very humble. And you know some of the guys that are that young and you know have accomplished as much as him are aren't as humble. You know what I mean? so i think that shows a lot about him and his character and and why he's doing what he's doing
0: yeah he definitely definitely carries himself at like a, a lot of class and i think um like i think it's club Rouge i think he's gone to in belgium like what a bargain they've got because i mean they got him at the right time right before the qualifiers and his stock is just like you know like yeah. I, I, th- I think new england are probably uh kicking themselves that they kind of let him go so soon and we did wait till the end of the season but um for yourself you obviously had a, a bit of a, a chance yourself in the mls um you came on for some minutes obviously you was in a a 5-1 loss to charlie's use and i think Charlie was playing for houston at the time he's on, on the bench but like apart from the 5-1 loss what was it like coming into the mls and getting those kind of minutes yourself it was it was a blessing
1: honestly you know like just for me to get in and make my debut was was a dream come true because that's what i worked for since i was three years old to make to make a first team in a top league in a in a country's debut and you know it happened so I was I was really grateful uh for for Greg at that time who had put me on um you know I was just unfortunate that we didn't win and you know I didn't get you know a long opportunity to prove myself um but I'm still grateful that I got to experience that um but yeah I mean for me I didn't think the I mean it was 5-1 at the time so Houston was just just chilling but I thought the speed was fine. I, I thought I would have adjusted well, but you know, could have, should have, would have, type of thing. Uh, I'm just grateful for the opportunity.
0: What, what was the uh, what was the atmosphere like coming into it? like obviously you're playing away from home. The home crowd are probably on top of the world because they're five one up. But like, what was it like uh, playing against that kind of partisan uh, like home crowd?
1: Yeah, I mean, I mean, it wasn't like I don't think it was a crazy amount of fans at the game, um, but obviously going into I an mean, a game where it's you know it's 5-1 any little mistake the crowd's like eh. like <laughs> definitely, it's definitely cool but um i think the the best crowd i've ever played against was cincinnati man like when they were in the usl they were getting like 25 to 30, 000 a wow. game. wow yeah
0: holy smokes so how, how'd you block that out though like you know as a you know if, if you put me in front of a room of 10 people to do anything i'd be like crying my eyes out but like I mean in front of 25,000 as you said one mistake and the whole lot of them are like giving you the gears like how do you block all that stuff out
1: um for me it's quite easy like you know I'm I'm a guy who likes to uh you know just like mess around and stuff and enjoy myself on the pitch and, and in training but as soon as I as soon as I get into those white lines it's just business like I'm so focused on the game and what I need to do as a as as a player like individually and as for my team like the noise is just blocked out. Like some the only person, the only person I really listen for is my teammates and then the coach, obviously. But um, when my dad was able to come watch me play, I would just, look, I would just try and listen for him. Cause he's my biggest critic. And I know if I'm, you know, if I'm playing well, he'll always say, you know, this is what you need to do better. So I'd always listen for him, obviously the coach and my teammates, but it's definitely is hard to hear sometimes. Especially
0: yeah, the, yeah. As I said, like I mean, it's uh, it's something that I would not be able to do whatsoever. So, so I mean, like, like just just cl- clicking back to the, the the national team. So, it's a big thing for you, like you know, as I said you're in the USL, so you're not like part of a big European team or an MLS team. So, how how do you how are you gonna keep yourself in the window to make sure that you're still noticed? Because I mean, obviously, you're gonna hit. Under 23, you're going to be past that stage now and you're going to be looking to get into the, the senior team. So what do you think you have to do yourself to keep yourself on the radar?
1: Yeah, for me, it's just playing consistent minutes. And, you know, obviously they look at stats. So getting on the score sheet, assisting uh, and just like, yeah, that's that's honestly the best way to put it is just, you know, keeping myself on, on the team sheets and scoring.
0: So is that a part of your game that you think you need to work on to like, you know, to to make sure you're scoring more goals, it, like you practice like shooting, a uh, training, like you one of those guys that stays behind, and like you know the Ronaldo thing where you're just practicing an hour after training, or are you just like,
1: uh, yeah, most definitely. I think I think I I train a lot, and I think uh, with my ability, and uh, I I should score more, um, but I've I've grown up. Uh, my dad always says this to me. He's always like, oh, you want to assist more than you score. And it's just, I think that, that mindset I need to change. Well, I've been trying to change it, um, but it's just, like, for me, it's just tough because, you know, I'm, I'm not a selfish person. If I'm 2v1 with the keeper, I'm always going to pass it. Um, so I think I just need to become more selfish, especially, like, if I'm trying to get back to the top level uh, in MLS or whether it's in Europe. I, I just be- need to be more selfish and, and you know, like, individually uh, knock on a bit.
0: I think if I was a coach and you're in a two two v one situation and you don't pass it, I'd be pretty pissed off. I don't think that's selfish. I think that's just common sense because if you miss it, you're gonna get you're gonna get your ass chewed out at halftime, right? So, um, well, I mean, at the end of the day, like it's um, when you're playing in the ten role or you're playing as a winger, like assists are your your bread and butter, right? I mean, like the goals are nice, like a nice cherry on top. But at the end of the day, you're supposed to be assisting and stuff like that yeah. so I mean I think your dad's kind of right to be perfectly honest with you um so th- just th- just to wrap things up um I- just I noticed that you you played in the Toulon tournament as well when you were uh what was that experience like because I mean you're playing against some of the best players young players in Europe at the time what was that experience like for yourself uh I thought it was amazing
1: I honestly had a gr- I, I, that was like some of my best football I've played like at a at a U20 level um you know, and I was, I was just ha- enjoying my time. Like I was in a, I was playing the number 10 and John Herdman and Marabiello were the coaches there. And they were like, just free roam, do your thing, like create numbers. And I think that's where I'm, my best is when I'm just able to roam around and get on the ball here, then dribble there or running behind. It's just like a free roam. But I think that's when I'm at my best, but obviously, you know, coaches have different structures and they see me in different positions and in my role. So, Oh yeah, the Toulon was amazing. You know, some of the guys, some of the names that have come out of that tournament are
0: unbelievable. I, I was looking through, man, Jesus Christ. And like you, you, like I think Jonathan David was on the team with you for, for Canada and stuff like that. Like, it's a, it's incredible when you look back, like, I mean, you're only about 23 and already this Amount of people that you've played alongside, like like, do you ever like just take stock of it and go like, holy shit, yeah, <laughs> I'm not bad. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just it's just crazy to see you know
1: some guys like like Jonathan David, you know, like he was now in TFC Vancouver Montreal. He was just playing in Ottawa, and then you know I got this move to Belgium, and you know he's look at him now. He started in Champions League today, so it's just I scored. Yeah. It's just, yeah, it's just crazy to see uh the come up of some guys and as i said before like i'm just happy i'm just happy for them obviously you know i would have loved to have been in their position but at the end of the day i'm not and i gotta i gotta work hard to get to their position so i just kind of use it as motivation at the end of the day
0: like like you know you're not in a bad position man like you're in the, the second tier of u.s football you know you, you've got a nice apartment there but the looks of it looks a bit you know you're, you're playing football it looks like you're like you're enjoying life so I mean like, like the rest of it will come it's like it's just about like just taking stock of where you are and uh you know it's it's great to see you enjoying your football you can see it like when you're when I'm watching the, the games because I get to watch them on YouTube and um seeing you and Charlie play together you can kind of see as I played together before and it's great to watch so the last question we always ask everybody I never 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 Ask anybody to uh, to prepare but I gave you the chance. That's how much I respect you. So you're gonna play in a five-a-side tournament uh, from the players you played with, man. Who makes your team?
1: Are we talking four four players and a goalie, or five and a goalie?
0: It's uh, it's five players in total. A lot of players, a lot of people don't put a goalie. They just put five outfield players and play last man back. Um, ah, so, okay. so 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 it's so up to you, man. You can put a goalie in if you want to. That's not against the rules. Okay, so. F-
1: all right, so I'll go Charlie.
0: Of course. Or else, or, or else your dinner's going to be like, have too much pepper in it or something, right? Uh,
1: I'll put Liam Frazier in there. Nice. Uh, two of them, best passers I've seen so far. Uh, I'll go Tristan Borges because class, Canadian messy. <laughs> uh, and uh, I would put um, Malik Johnson from Tampa Bay. or uh, Sorry, he's on Real Salt Lake now. We nice. grew up, uh, since eleven. We played against each other, and then you know we did the whole TFC thing together. I, I think I think Malik should be in MLS or in Europe. Like, I think he's class. And then yeah, myself. And if not me, I would put Dane Saint Clair in that because that's my boy. because I've seen with his feet.
0: D- Dane Saint Clair is an amazing, amazing person. I, I I used to do an MLS show when I got to uh, interview him, and he is the most humblest guy I think I've ever got a chance to talk to he's a really really nice guy and he just burst into the team for uh, minnesota and like he's just so on the level And just he's a great guy um yeah i totally would pick him on, on my team too so man it's been amazing i really appreciate you giving me so much time i know you want to get off your dinner and all that kind of stuff so uh i i hope you enjoyed it it's been it's been a blast and it's great for people here in canada to get to hear about people that we don't always get to hear about and that's what i love about this system zoom and i, I just love about the usl that and the cpl has given um players like yourself a chance to keep going and hit the heights so thanks a million man um enjoy the rest of your night you as well. thank you thanks, Appreciate it. cheers yeah you've been listening to the down the pub podcast recorded in halifax nova scotia head to down to subscribe so you never miss an episode until next time Cheers.